You're listening to Having a Chat on CJRU in Toronto, the show where we take interesting people with interesting tastes in music and talk to them about the music that they love. At a young age, a guy named Glenn Milcham hopped on a train down to Toronto and started to immerse himself in the thriving Queen Street music scene. Eventually, he came to be the drummer in one of Canada's biggest bands, Blue Rodeo. In addition to his time in Blue Rodeo, Glenn has spent time playing with Toronto electronica group Holy Fuck, multiple solo projects, and many other bands around the city. And he's here with us to talk about his favorite music. This is having a chat. things off we usually do sort of like a lightning round of questions um just Mm -hmm. to help people get to know you a little bit better um so if you're cool with that uh we'll start off with where'd you grow up um well i uh mostly grew up in oakville ontario my my parents and my twin brother and i moved there when my brother and i were six years old in 1970 and I lived right. there uh, until I guess I think 1982 right. I moved to Toronto probably 83 I permanently moved to Toronto but so basically but those my formative years were, were in, we're in Oakville. Oakville and what brought you down to mm-hmm. Toronto well Toronto was always for me um, I mean I would sort of go there whenever I had the opportunity when I was a kid and you know it was just kind of like a, a the place to go it's sort of a cultural mecca there's nothing happening in oakville i didn't really relate to many of the people that were in oakville there was very little to do at the time there was a there was a records on wheels record store on kerr street in oakville that i think was there for many years and you could get import records there that was like a cool place to go but there was really when you're a teenager there was really no cool place to to hang out in oakville yeah, you had to go to Toronto. It was like a go train trip away. So, you know, right. uh, yeah. So, uh, and then I, you know, I wanted to be a musician. So, uh, you know, as soon I actually was still living in Oakville when I started playing in bands in Toronto. And I remember, right. I remember I used to play in this band called Vital Signs. And I remember actually taking a drum kit on the go train because I didn't, I didn't drive and actually taking a drum kit on the go train to go to a rehearsal you know? yeah well, like putting you know, all the drums inside the bass drum <laughs> if my parents hear that they're gonna start giving me grief about uh, always pestering them for rides to gigs and stuff uh so uh we'll, <laughs> i'll make sure they don't listen to this one um I'm, so i wouldn't next... recommend it as a uh, you know <laughs> yeah, okay, as a way of good, transporting that's... gear right beautiful um the next one is your first concert My first concert, okay, well, the first concert I went to uh, on my own, well, it was with friends where I wasn't sort of taken by my parents, Right. Uh, was to see Yes at Maple Leaf Gardens when I was 11 wow. years old. My brother and I and our friend Alan Okada, who subsequently, subsequently went on to become a guitar player at a band called King Cobb Steely, who were, who were kind of a pretty cool and influential influential uh toronto like actually guelph based but right. you know southern ontario band from the 90s um 
he we went with him and he uh, we were all like we were you know young we were 11 years old but we were all really into prog rock and and uh it was that was i think i don't know what year that was it might have been 19 if we were 11 it was 1974 or 75 and wow. it was at maple leaf gardens and it was very exciting Wow. And uh, I remember being disappointed there weren't more lasers and stuff. I was expecting right. lasers and explosions. And instead, there was just like lights and, and expert musicianship and stuff like that. <laughs> but it was uh, it was good. That's so funny that, you know, it just sort of the expectations that you have going into things as a kid. I mean, I remember my first concert um, was uh, I went to go see Fall Out Boy at MTV Live when I was probably like mm -hmm. in the third grade. And, and I remember thinking like, oh, wow. I'm going to meet them and they'll probably bring me up on stage and, and this and that. And, <laughs> you know, none, obviously, they none just of They'll spot you in the crowd and go like, that guy's cool. Let's get him up here. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's always funny to think about those sort of expectations. Um, so next question is uh, first album. Um, I guess the first album, the first album I bought with my own money, um, well, was it the first one? I think the first one I bought with my own money was was um, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Right. But uh, the first record I remember being really obsessed with and really wanting was Schools Out by Alice Cooper. Oh, and I heard that for the first time. Yeah, when I was nine years old, I was in the. I remember my cousins, my older cousins who were twenty and twenty-one, were visiting from England, right. and my parents took them and us to to Black Creek Pioneer Village. And I just remember right. I was waiting with them in the car, in the parking lot, waiting for my parents. I don't know. To, I don't know. Paid for something, or, and. Right. Um, and Alice Cooper came on the radio. Schools Out came on the radio, and and the song itself like just blew my mind. I'd never heard anything yeah. like that, and I just thought it was the coolest song I ever heard. Well, that opening and I remember riff going is to my just yeah, exactly. I, yeah, and it's it's and, and you know the whole thing is is uh, great, and you can imagine it was like it was nine, so it was like nineteen seventy two, you know, right. and. Uh, and my and I and and I, the song ended, and I went, "Who's that?" And my cousin says, "Alice Cooper." And I go, "Who's she?" And then they both <laughs> laughed at me. They both like burst into laughter. And after that, I was obsessed with Alice Cooper, and I eventually did get Schools Out. I remember my dad refusing to buy me an Alice Cooper record and buying me a Partridge Family record instead, <laughs> to my eternal disappointment. But then a friend of his at work uh, said, he was saying, my kid loves Alice Cooper, and, if, and the guy at work said, I, I hate Alice Cooper. He can have, you're kicking out my Alice Cooper record. Right. So he gave me uh, Love It to Death, which is also an insanely good record. So so those records were actually I would say those are my were my introduction to rock and roll. Right. Uh, uh so I would think of that those as really my first sort of real records that brilliant, were like brilliant. those were mine and I was obsessed with them, you know. Right. So and then the next question is uh what's a guilty pleasure artist? Guilty pleasure artist. Hmm. Well, let's see. Uh golly. Or an alternative way of phrasing that perhaps is, you know, uh, an influencer artist that might surprise people to hear that you are a, a fan of. Well, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of that. A lot of it is like when I was younger, I was pretty, I mean, I had a few guilty pleasures in my teens, I, but you know, I don't know how guilty they were. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I was, I, you know, I remember you know, loving, we got the beat by the go-go's, right. which wasn't necessarily like super uncool. 
But it wasn't like it wasn't the sort of I, you know I, I was sort of unabashedly went and bought the single and loved that song and right. you know and they you know they weren't a band if you were if you're trying to sound cool you wouldn't necessarily drop the go yeah, they're no Alice Cooper you know yeah or you know or other bands I mean like it was into like you know at the time I was probably really into post punk bands you know right, so right, I was right. you know really into. Um, I don't know, like you know, magazine and the and, and the Buzzcocks and and um, I don't know who else would I name drop? PIL or somebody? Public Image Limited, you know, right. like that would be like a cool band to name drop, not the Go Go. So I, you know, <laughs> but now I find um, I like. There's a lot of music I like now that I am oh that I'm starting to love that I didn't think it was cool when I was younger and right. kind of like almost wouldn't allow myself to enjoy because I just thought it was too mainstream. Right. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that. I'm, I'm getting into like hollow notes, for example. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Well, hollow notes. So like, but you know, but I, like now I'm starting to really appreciate hollow notes and I never liked hollow notes. And I just always thought hollow notes was like, you know, bland. And now I'm thinking, Oh, Daryl Hall is such an amazing singer and their arrangements are so incredible. And the songs are so well written. I always right. did like, she's gone. I always did like that song. Right. But yeah. So I guess, you know, I, I don't really have too many guilty pleasures cause I've, at my age, you sort of stop feeling guilty about liking things, <laughs> but it takes a long time. Like for a long time, yeah. I did sort of feel like I can't like that. It's not cool. So, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Fair enough. but now I kind of, yeah, I like, yeah, I, you know, I love the Bee Gees now like that, you know, the Bee Gees yeah. would have been an, an extremely uncool band to like in the seventies and eighties, you know, for sure. Well, I mean, I even remember just, you know, always saying like, you know, my mom would always play the Bee Gees in the car. That was sort of the music of her youth. And I would always, you know, right. want to listen to like Green Day or whatever and, and just think, Mom, yeah, right, this is so uncool. And But now, like, um, you know, if, if if I ever have friends over, the Bee Gees are almost always in the rotation one way or another. Um, yeah, so, I think like um, that. I think that that record, like that record, Saturday Night Fever, like when yeah. I was young, that was like everywhere, and I hated it. And now yeah. I listen to it and think it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's, anyway, it's just funny how taste can change over time. Um, so the next yeah. question, and to be clear, this is not throwing shade at one or the other, but uh, Beatles or Stones? Um, I I can't say I. I'd say I would say I probably probably in my life have listened to the Stones more than the Beatles. Right. Especially when I was younger, I was. Uh, I mean, I've always liked the Beatles. I mean, I remember being a little kid and just loving "She Loves You" and thinking right. it was an amazing song. You know, and I was actually, you know, my my mom has stories of my brother and I in our playpen dancing to the Beatles when they were on the Brilliant. Ed Sullivan wow. Show the first time. But I mean, I would have been one, so I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> one and a half or something. But. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, maybe I've listened to the Stones a bit more. But I, I but I, you know, I I admire them. I admire right both totally bands. Fair. You know? Yeah, of course. Well, that's the yeah. thing, right? Is that it, it's it's there really is no like right answer to a question like that. It's just you know I, I always find it interesting because you know sometimes people will surprise me and uh, and not say the one that I would have expected and I just I think it's interesting to hear yeah um, well some some people like look at it as like a like a almost like a defining thing like I'm a Stones right. guy or Stones person or a Beatles person like I know like Neil Young is like I am a Stones fan right, <laughs> you right, know? Right. like that was kind of like part of his personal identity he's not a right. Stone he's not a Beatles guy he's a Stones, he's a Stones guy, guy you know right well I mean but I don't, I don't 
Well, see, so yes, I mean, look, we, we had a we had a guest on the show, uh, a guy named Tony Clement, who's like a former cabinet minister, but he's also a musician. And the way he described it is okay. he says, like, the Beatles are like in their own category, a category of one. And like, you just yeah. can't touch them. But the but the best band outside of that category is the Stones, which I thought was sort of an interesting way of putting it. Um, That's a very boomer assessment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't at first like I don't because also I don't think that's true at all. Like I, I think I love the Stones. I think their songs are great. I love the character of the band. They're right. far from the best band. You know, like right. there are a lot of incredible bands out there. Like who, who can say? And really, it's such a, a subjective thing to say. Like it they're really, the really best is. band. It's like you now people say, no, the band were the best band, or right. the Grateful Dead were the best band, or Little Feet were the best band. You know, or this right. and like people just go on and like, what are you talking about? What about yeah. the Mahuvishnu Orchestra? <laughs> you know, right. they're the best band. <laughs> like, I, fair enough. Yeah. So it's kind of a how do you say who's the best? Really, right. you know, but. uh yeah, but I, 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 you know, I understand. I, I, I well, he's about my age or a little older, so he's going right. to say stuff like that. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, like, I, I'm always convinced that, like, my favorite band at any given moment is the best band in the world. Um, right. And it's, you know, my, my parents and my grandparents always make fun of me for it because, you know, every, every six months I'll have a new best band in the world. Um, but, this kind of leads us into our next question. The band that I currently think is the best band in the world, even though they're not around, uh, is Oasis. So this is our last one, but Liam or Noel? Oh, well, definitely Noel. I mean, right. I, I guess because Noel wrote the songs. Right. Um, and uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge Oasis fan. I don't dislike them but I'm, right. I'm 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 not a, you know i'm not a devotee right. i think liam's a really great singer i think he's a better singer than noel or yeah. his, you know i don't know he's he's a he's a great singer and uh and but you know i think no well first of all noel's hilarious as well like right. the, other thing, the thing i like about noel is that he pretty much does gives the best interviews Ever. Oh, for sure. So for sure. he gets, whereas Liam, uh, I think Liam, I haven't heard a lot of Liam's interviews. They're amusing, but they're more just like, oh my God, I can't believe he said such a stupid thing. But exactly. Um, whereas yeah. Noel's, Noel's got actually, a very razor sharp wit, for sure. Yeah, he's hilarious. So I guess I'd have to say Noel over Liam. And you know what's funny? For the longest time doing these, doing these shows, um, like the first like six episodes, um, no one said Noel. Um, and then you're the second person oh, really? in a row to say Noel. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, and it was for more or less that exact reason, just because he wrote the songs and because his interviews are hilarious. So uh, it's, yeah, it's fun so to funny. see people coming together around that. So thank you for answering those. Um, and let's, let's kick into the music uh, right now. So you've got this um, this solo project uh, called The Swallows. Um, and you know, I, well, I don't have it. I I don't have sorry to interrupt, but I don't have it anymore. I actually right. uh, shut it down. I guess about nine years ago, but it was right. my my band. Yes, right. So I mean, what uh, like I'm I'm interested because you've you've been in so many different projects over the years. Um, you know, everything from Holy Fuck to Blue Rodeo, which I, I think is such a fascinating range. Um, what is mm -hmm. it? Thank you. In, in your sort of solo project that you're trying to i mean obviously you're 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 singing and 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 that's sort of a different role but what is it in your solo stuff that you're really trying to convey that you may not be able to convey in in in, in any of the other projects that you're working on well um i just 
wanted to play my songs. I was just writing songs. I've been writing songs um, since I was a teenager. And, uh, you know, I I actually put out a solo recording in the Uh, Mm -hmm. mid-80s, just a cassette-only release, where... I played all the instruments. We had a couple of guests, but otherwise I played all the instruments because, like, I you know because I do play guitar. I'm a self-taught guitarist. I'm not a whiz. I'm a great guitar player, but uh, you know I play guitar and you know I'm a self-taught singer. Uh, You know I'm and uh, and self-taught songwriter. And these were just things I was doing for fun. And uh, I did release in the mid '80s. I released I released a cassette-only thing, and it just got lambasted. Like I sent around all these college. Papers and stations, and and really? I got wow. terrible reviews, and I was, and I was really like sort of uh, you know <clears throat> humiliated, or <laughs> so. But I <clears throat> so I didn't put out anything for a long time, uh, but I kept writing songs, and then and then actually about ten years later, I, I I felt like I had enough songs that I wanted to record something again, right. and I had a bit of money right? because I. 97 was when I finished it. I, re- I sort of recorded it piecemeal between 95 and 97. And I, again, right. I played everything on it. And I finished it in 97. It didn't come out until 99. And uh, and then I thought, oh, I should form... I've done this recording. I guess i got to promote it and form a band. And so, right. and so I did. And, you know, I just played local shows. And I did three more CDs. And uh, the band survived for about 10 or 11 years and then it just got like it was never it was never a money making thing it always kind of broke even or lost money right. so uh, and then when my last kid was born I just kind of ran out of time you know like yeah. I just, so I was like I can't have a band anymore like I just remember once trying to organize a rehearsal I took 30 emails just to do yeah. one rehearsal and I thought I, I, I just don't have the time to do this like you know so I folded that, um, but the four records are still out there, and I guess you're, yeah. you're going to play a couple of songs from yeah, the absolutely. from absolutely. the That's recordings. The and uh, but last year I did put out a solo acoustic thing that I'd done, but right. online only, and that is called. Um, I didn't give you any of that material to play, but it's the the recording is called Fates Conspire, and it's by Glenn Milcham under my right. name, and it's on uh, iTunes and Apple and Spotify and all that brilliant, stuff. Brilliant, all the streaming services. So, what what can you tell us about the song Agenda, which is uh, sort of the one that we're going to kick things off with? Um, Agenda was. Um, is on the first Swallows album that's called Turning Blue. Right. And it's a song I wrote. Yeah, I would. So, yeah, it's quite an old song now. Like, I was <laughs> like 25 years old. Uh, but I, I actually wrote it for, um, you know, our mutual connection is my daughter Willa who, right. who you know and uh, and I actually wrote it um, for her mom it was kind of like when I was wooing her mother right. and I, I wrote I wrote that song and uh, yeah and I it wasn't one I would normally th- I would have thought of offhand um, to give to you but right. uh, Willa was actually listening to it and uh, and I was like oh that sounds pretty good we should <laughs> we should give that one to Alex yeah, cool. we should give that one to Alex to play and it's just uh, it's just sort of like a peppy like it's it's uh, all acoustic and uh, one of the neat things about it it's me playing all the instruments, yeah. including playing slide which I'm not that great at, but um, but uh, on bass is is this bass player named Rich Brown who because uh, I I wanted upright bass and I and uh, so I got him to come in and do it right. and and he was kind of new to upright bass at the time but he's now one of the most highly respected jazz bass players in the country. He's he's oh, wow. an incredible musician. So so we got a, you know, 
a superstar guest on there, but you know, <laughs> he was just a nobody at the time. He was, yeah. Well, you know, you never know where people are going to go. All right, this is the Swallows with Agenda on CJRU. Agenda by the Swallows. We are here having a chat with Glenn Milcham. Uh, and Glenn, I asked you to pick a few tunes, and uh, the first one that we're going to listen to is uh, Snatch It Back and Hold It. What can you tell us about this one? Okay, well, this song, yeah, Snatch It Back and Hold It by Junior Walker from his album. I think the album's called The Hoodoo Man. Uh, but it's, a, it's an awesome record. And actually, it's just... 
the reason I picked this one is that uh, I've been I've been playing um, up until you know obviously everybody had to stop doing shows. Um, right. I was playing fairly regularly with this uh, this band, this blues band that plays every Wednesday night at Grossman's. Uh, the the two main members are are this guy Eric Shankman on guitar, who is also a member of um, any of your older listeners might remember the Spin Doctors. Right. Oh wow. Who were a yeah who uh, they had they were had a couple of hits in the nineties with uh, a song called Two Princes and I think the other one might have been called Little Miss Can't Be Wrong or something right. they had a few few hits and and they still uh, tour the states but he's a Toronto based musician he plays and he's just a fantastic guitar player and uh, improviser and uh, and he plays uh, the with this bass player Leo Balvasori who's also a great bass player who's played in a million bands and the two of them have this blues thing every Wednesday called Action Sound Band and I guess them and it's kind of through them I've kind of really gotten into the blues and particularly right. Chicago blues which is not something I've you know I've always liked Chicago blues but I haven't really sort of delved yeah, into it and I've dive. been starting to uh, yeah, so I'm starting to sort of get more deeply into that. And actually a buddy of mine, my old high school buddy Josh, uh, turned me on to this record. He was like, do you know this this record? And I was like, no, I know. I'll check it out. And I totally love it. And uh, so, and uh, especially this this groovy opening track from the album, yeah. Snatch It Back and Hold All It. All right, brilliant. Well, this is Snatch It Back and Hold It on CJRU. Snatch It Back and Hold It. Baby, one more time. Doing too bad, baby. I got you on my mind. Hey, 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 hey. You're having a darn good time. Somebody help me. I can't help myself. Somebody got to help me. Cause I can't help myself. I'm not doing too bad, baby. You know, I ain't got no brand new band. Let Baby, one more time 
kids in the neighborhood They know just where it's here Snatch it back and hold it Snatch it back and hold it Hey, hey, hey Snatch it back and hold it Hey, 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 hey yeah, okay. cool, 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 for sure. Alrighty, you just hey. heard "Snatch It Back and Hold It" on CJRU, and uh, um, Glenn. I mean, if you- yes, and that by is by J- Junior Wells, not Junior Walker. That was my screw yeah. up. It's by Junior Wells, Chicago blues band, and the album it's from is called Hoodoo Man Blues. So that's Junior Wells. Brilliant, brilliant. And, 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 and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure whether it was the right one uh, when we were talking about it, but Buddy Guy actually plays on this album, <laughs> which. Uh, which I thought was interesting yes, does, when I was yeah. just sort of, you know, listening to it and, and looking around at, uh, you know, for some fun facts about it. Um, so next up, we have a song by yeah. Judy Sill, um, sort of one of seemingly yes. a very tragic story of the sort of 70s folk rock. Uh, what do you like about this tune? Well, I just think it's I just think it's an astoundingly beautiful song. I um she was someone I, I just thought I just sort of read a lot of uh, songwriters who I respect sort of talk about how much they love Judy Sills. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I should I should check her out. And uh, I I checked this. I got this record Heart Food. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I remember listening to it in the car. And when this song came on the first time I heard it, like it just like tears were streaming down my face. It's so beautiful. Right. It's such an exquisite piece of music and, and it's an exquisite recording and it's her second it's from her second album she only released two records on geffen she was she was actually the first signing to the geffen record label and she got dropped by david geffen because she was on tour in england and she wasn't happy with the tour support she was getting and she insulted him to a journalist i can't remember what she called him Something like really inappropriate, right, right, and, right. <laughs> and he dropped her from the label. He dropped her from the label, and then her career just just tanked after right. that. But but this record, and yeah, it is. There's a tra- whole other tragic story of like drug addiction and like oh mm. my god, she was like an unbelievable piece of work. Like she was a Rob Banks did jail time. Holy it's cow. like her story. When you listen to the music, yeah, when you listen to her music and then you read her story, the two do not connect at all because she she lived a a very rough life whereas her music is is um uh, so beautiful but uh and this record is interesting because she arranged it herself and um and uh i i love it like all the vocals on the record are double tracked and and her pitch is so perfect that when she sings with herself it just produces this sort of pleasant chorusing effect so i just think it's an exquisite recording no i mean i it was what something that I liked about uh, the songs that you sent is, um, you know, I, I actually hadn't heard a single one of them, which is one of like the treats of this show for me. Is I get to listen yeah, to yeah, so yeah. much new music, and it's and this one really, really did take my breath away. Um, I'm interested in this sort of something that we've talked about a few times on this show now is um, sort of the role of record labels, and I think it's interesting that you know you piss off one guy and more or less that can tank your entire career. Um, so like, how do you see sort of like the role of labels having evolved into sort of the way things are now? Well, uh, that's interesting. Well, first of all, I mean, it, it doesn't usually come down to pissing off one guy, but <laughs> if that guy is Geffen and the label is called Geffen, yeah, yeah it's going to come down to that. Fair um, but uh, I, I mean, uh, labels have, you know, 
Well, I mean, what's interesting is is for a while there, people were like, yeah, record labels are obsolete and stuff, and, and streaming was a, a huge threat mm -hmm. to them. But now they've made these deals with Spotify so that they're, they're actually making a good profit again yeah. to the extent that Spotify is trying to figure out you know how to how to increase their profits because now they have to give such a huge cut to labels. Right. But meanwhile, the labels still aren't passing that money on to the yeah, artists. Yeah, yeah, for real. So it's uh, you know like so it's I don't think you know there was a period in the music business probably from like maybe the 80, in the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s where there was like a surplus of revenue and there was a lot of money being sprinkled around and and you know artists could you know make a living a comfortable living right. and i think and of course that has evaporated and i think that period was more of an anomaly than than the actual right. norm like really now it's sort of back to what it was like in the 50s and 60s yeah where artists sort of slogged away and signed away a good portion of their profits yeah. and, um, you know, or had, you know, basically there was just not a lot of revenue to get a hold of. And when there, when there was, it was mostly taken up by labels and and agents and, and you know, other uh, entities, right. you know. And I, I that's now we're sort of back there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're sort of back there again, and it's it sort of sucks. Um I mean, it sucks for a lot of people, but it's not a, it's a tough industry, yeah. man. It's just like, it's not, a, it's never been, it's, it's like any industry, it's a business. And if you're going to do well financially, as well as being, if you're an artist, as well as being talented, you have to be very business savvy yeah. and, and, and smart and be motivated that way. And it's, and, and that has never really changed. Like every successful band I've ever worked with has always got at least one member yeah. who, who has a head for business yeah. and is willing to take care of the business. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen lots of great bands, like super talented bands just slide into obscurity because no one in the band really was interested in taking care of the business, right. you know? I just think it's interesting to to think of that sort of heyday period and sort of like late 80s, 90s, early 2000s as like the exception rather than the rule. Because I think it's, it, we so often, you know, we'll sort of say to ourselves like, oh, you know, prior to streaming for the entire history of the industry, it was just vast amounts of money and profit and, and everyone was making a good living. Um, but I think that you're right. Just in that narrative, we sort of skip over... Um, a period where that may not have actually been the case yeah well which was really all the other times yeah, in the music exactly. industry <laughs> so you know um and and i think there will be a you know this it's very likely there will be a correction of some sort right. again and you know there might there might um artists might find better revenue streams or might start to become better compensated perhaps more reasonable deals can be worked out right. We'll see. I don't know. Or maybe it's just always going to be like yeah. this, you know, like maybe this is just how it's going to be. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have a crystal ball, right. but I know that the labors, the labels have figured out a way to survive. At least the big yeah. labels have in the eras of streaming. And, you know, there are some people, there's some people who do quite, quite well on Spotify, yeah. but you really have to, you know, you have to, or, or when I say Spotify, I always say Spotify, but for example, streaming services in general, but yeah. I mean, you just do, yeah, streaming services in general, uh, but, but, um, 
I mean, you just have to do have such an insane number of streams on Spotify. Yeah. Like a million streams is, I think a million streams works out to like three thousand eight hundred dollars. Yeah. It's like that's a month's rent yeah, in Toronto. For real. You know, well, like, I mean, and, and even less if it's split gonna, four ways it, between a band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, that's going to go to the songwriter yeah. probably. You know, like and and it's just not. It's just becomes such a. You know, so it just becomes about live performance. Right. right. And then, uh, and uh, you know, which is kind of that's always been ninety five percent of my income anyway. Right. So that hasn't really changed, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, well, I, I, just, I hope we're uh, I hope we're heading for a bit of a course correction soon then, but. Uh, you know, r- regardless, either way, this is uh, this is Judy Sill with the kiss on CJRU. Come fill my dreams descending on fire beneath. 
Heard the Kiss by Judy Sill. Uh, next up, we've got a brilliant jazz tune, Funky AECO by the uh, Art Ensemble of Chicago. Uh, Glenn, what can you tell us about this one? Um, well, the Art Ensemble of Chicago are, yeah, like a, a jazz band, kind of a uh, jazz and improvised music band that I'm not sure if they're still around. I think they might still I be around in are, some yeah. form. I think most of the... Yeah, I think most of the original members have passed away. Right. But um, uh, I th- this this particular recording is from 1988, I think, and it was and the recording is the album is called The Third Decade, and it's a really neat record. And I've been like my dad is a jazz fan. I grew I grew up listening to jazz. I listened to jazz my whole right. life, though I've never really played in a legit jazz band or anything. Right. Or um, but I but it's it's kind of a huge part of like. Like probably half my record collection is jazz, and and I probably sixty percent of what I listen to is jazz. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't. I, I just thought, oh, I should you know pick a jazz instrumental, and I really I really like this tune. It's fun. Yeah. It's like even if you don't like jazz, which a lot of people <laughs> seems jazz seems to have a dwindling audience these right. days, but. But I, maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, there's a few that, but, uh, interesting it, you groups know, that are sort of bringing it back in sort of like a new way, um, sort of yes. like crossing it with like hip hop a little bit, which has been really, really cool to see. Right. Um, That's true. Yeah, I actually went to – now, I'm not a huge Snarky Puppy fan, right. but I went to see them uh, a few years ago actually with Basil, the bass player from Blue Rodeo. Right. We went to go see Snarky Puppy in Toronto. And what was interesting – I basically went to – I just wanted to see Larnell Lewis right. play drums because he's the most – like he's just like the most insane drummer in yeah, Canada. He's sure. just phenomenal. So I just wanted to go see him. But uh, what was interesting about the crowd was that people were dancing. Like yeah. a lot of people were dancing. And I'd never seen people dance to jazz. And I thought like this is – and it was actually dudes. Like kind of dudes dancing together as well. Which like not – and women. But it was like interesting to see guys just like I want to dance yeah, you yeah, know, by real. themselves. Like you don't see that very often either. And it was it was also a really mixed audience. Like racially mixed audience mm-hmm. which was nice to see. And um, and yeah it was a really sophisticated audience. They were doing things like singing – singing back horn lines wow, and things like that really cool. like i thought like what is this is everybody from humber here or something like what the hell <laughs> well something that's crazy and they were clapping on the offbeats right 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 it was crazy well so i mean it's funny you mentioned humber so i mean like a, a real success story a recent success story out of humber is a group called bad bad not good and i remember yeah i'm very familiar yeah with i mean i remember going to their the first time i ever saw them live there was a mosh pit at the opera house for like the entire yeah. show and that was sort of you know it blew me away because I, I was used to you know jazz to me was like my dad's buddy taking me to see shows at the Rex so the idea exactly. that this was like you know obviously it's a, a different take on the genre but it's still jazz and, and the idea that you know, people were yeah. moving around like it you know like it was a rock show or a hip hop show or it really took my breath away. Um, I love. Yeah, that it, that is a, that is a cool. Yeah, thing. well, so, I mean, it's funny, you know, when you when you look up this band, they 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 say the word um, the genre categorized as like free jazz, and when I hear free jazz, mm-hmm. um, I can't help but think of Jazz Odyssey in Spinal Tap. Um, which <laughs> yeah. all it, it's just it's one of those things like you know like just when I when I was doing just doing some reading on these guys earlier I, I just couldn't help but smile when I saw that uh, when I saw that so uh, I mean have you ever gone for sort of a uh, 
an experimental last-ditch effort at some uh, some live jazz music? Well, I have actually played a lot of improvised music. Right. Um, like I say, though, I haven't necessarily necessarily been in a legit jazz band, like like a like a bebop band or mm-hmm. something like that. I've played in jazz influence bands, and I have actually played like a fair bit of of free music, right. like free improvised music. And uh, actually, you know, we were talking about my daughter mm-hmm. Willa, who who's a, a friend of yours, and her mom is a cellist named Anne Bourne, mm-hmm. and who's a fairly active member of the improvised music community right. in Toronto and you know us um, so yeah I've actually played a f- I wouldn't say I played a fair bit of free jazz but I've played a, a fair bit of free right. music and I actually listen to uh, free jazz like I love artists like uh, Albert Eiler the, who's a saxophone uh, great saxophone player from the 60s yeah. um, who is um, you know some of his playing is like but not like he would his his songs would always have like a theme right. and then the but the improvisation would always be very free and not tied to chord changes and and or or you know like I'm playing in the key of F sharp now he would just be all yeah, over the yeah, place yeah. he just would be screaming thing. squawking so so I actually really dig that kind of right. stuff but I, I realize it's an acquired taste yeah. and it's not for everybody Fair enough. Um, well yeah but the but the our ensemble of Chicago are the, what's interesting about them like say this this record that the the record that this song is from called The Third Decade like there's a song that's like a beautiful paint, plaintive ballad that's very there's some very traditional sounding jazz there's funky jazz and then there's free stuff right. like they their their whole thing is 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 kind of exploring black culture right. black American American culture and music culture and so they and they tap into all those different avenues right. so that's one of the things that makes them so fascinating yeah, well, and, they're, and they're very very prolific as well i mean like they just the list of albums kind of went on and on and on which was really really cool yeah. to see <laughs> um so with that uh this is funky aeco by the art ensemble of chicago Thank you. 
Alrighty, you just heard Funky AECO by the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Uh, next up, we have uh, a beautiful contemporary folk tune by uh, Aldous Harding. Glenn, what can you tell us about this one? Well, Aldous Harding is is um, an artist I discovered a, a couple of years ago. Um, she's from New Zealand. Uh, somebody just um, shared... Uh, a song of hers on Facebook right. and I just thought it was a stunningly beautiful song. This was this was from her previous record which is called Party, right. which I would also recommend as as an amazing record, but her new record that came out um last year is called Designer and uh, she's just um she's got an extraordinary voice. She's a brilliant lyricist. Her lyrics are kind of obtuse but but fascinating. Uh, and a great melodicist and her, and her arrangements are I just find the arrangements and the recordings are amazing the, the right. records are she produces them with this guy John Parrish who is also PJ Harvey's producer and um, right. I think wow. played drums with PJ Harvey as well but he's but they're a brilliant pairing and I just find um, I just find the, the her last two records are, are I my two favorite records of the uh, the of the last couple of years you know I, wow. I i just for me she's kind of the most interesting artist out there right now and i'm just always excited to uh share her tunes with people yeah brilliant all right well i can't say it any better than that this is zoo eyes by aldous harding on cjru
colorful bride. They are magnificent. Do you love me? You just heard Zoo Eyes by Aldous Harding on CJRU. And uh, next up, we've got a, a classic uh, standard. Uh, we're going to listen to The Very Thought of You uh, by Albert King. Um, what do you like about this version, Glenn? Like, I mean, th- this is something that seems to have been covered by just about everybody. I mean, Billie Holiday, I, I think even Paul McCartney did a version of it. Um, really? Yeah, I th- well, I think it was like someone featuring Paul McCartney. Um, but uh, but what is it about the Albert King version that you like? Well, that's interesting because like the Albert King version is actually the only version I know. I don't think I've and I'm a huge Billie Holiday fan, so I, I've never heard her, her version of it. So that actually surprises me to hear that she. Um, that she uh, recorded it, and to I'm pretty sure this is uh, this is the it's the first version I can remember hearing, and I've only right. just heard it recently. This is from an album called uh, Born on a Born Under a Bad Sign, which is like a classic blues record. Right. And again, it's like a more Chicago blues. I realized three of the five songs I picked were sort of like Chicago based. 
<laughs> jazz or blues artists. That wasn't intentional, but that's I guess that's just what I've been into lately. Yeah, big uh, Along probably. with the folky thing, but um, but uh, yeah, this I just this is the last song on that record, and I just think it's such an exquisite song. I love his vocal. I love how I, I love the horns, like the yeah, horns. What the, say, horns the horns are playing. The beginning blew me away. Yeah, the, like what they're it's and that's the um the Memphis horns yeah. that are playing and 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 it was the record came out on Stacks and it, and it's Booker T and the MGs are the band. So oh. like the whole record like just the the band and and the the horn arrangements and the singing and playing are just stellar. Right. But and this is just to me just a a very gorgeous and moving closing track with a with a beautiful vocal. It's a classic song. And and I find that the the horns are so simple but so emotional and uh, so I just thought yeah I just think it's it's just um, a lovely song that I thought would be nice to close with and I'm super into Albert King these days as well yeah brilliant alright well this is The Very Thought of You by Albert King on CJRU The Very Thought of You I forget to do the the love, the thing that everyone ought to do. I'm living in.
just heard the very thought of you by albert king uh if you're just joining us we are here having a chat with canadian musician glenn milcham uh and we are now approaching the end of the hour and uh it's time for our cancon quota segment uh for those first time listeners uh canadian law mandates that 30 percent of the content that we play has to be canadian uh, so with that in mind, we've asked Glenn to pick a Canadian album that he loves, and uh, he's chosen uh, Lightfoot by Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, what can you tell us about this tune, or rather album? Well, Gordon Lightfoot is someone who, like all of us, I've, I've heard all my life. I, I grew up listening to Gordon Lightfoot, and, um, you know, just on the radio and stuff. And interestingly, you know, my dad, as I mentioned earlier, was a was a, a jazz fan, and I remember him saying when he was young, "Like, oh, man, I hate Gordon Lightfoot." Right. And I also did not like Gordon Lightfoot growing up. Like, I yeah. just to me, to me, he was kind of the epitome of of just sort of this, you know, safe uh, Canadian thing. You know, right, uh, right. though when I when I look back on on some of his songs like Sundown and stuff like that, they're actually pretty edgy songs, but right. but. Um, but at the time, that kind of escaped me, and I was just like, you know, Gordon Lightfoot was just sort of the cl- cliche of mainstream Canadiana, and and for that, I kind of spent most of my life kind of rejecting him, even as a member of Blue Rodeo, uh, who, you know, among whom uh, all the other members of the band, Gordon Lightfoot is highly revered, right. and um, I mean, he's actually one of the reasons, one of like, Gord, uh, when Jim and Greg formed blue rodeo they were both living in new york and and i the story is that greg was listening to gordon lightfoot and and sort of pining for going back to canada and doing something that was more uh doing a kind of music that was more rootsy and and uh and canadian and with that inspiration they headed back to toronto and formed blue rodeo so wow. he's like kind of a seminal part of 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 the band and the influence of the band which for years i was just kind of like yeah whatever i don't get it you know but <laughs> but just in the last i guess it's really been about the last five years or so i've started to appreciate him more and more and it's kind of grown into bordering on an obsession where I'm just sort of wow. super hugely into Gordon Lightfoot now. I've learned a few of his songs. I've really learned to appreciate like his song craft and I admire, I have so much like the dude, like he had 80 shows scheduled last year. He had to cancel a bunch of them because he broke his leg or something, but right. he's like 81 and he's still trying to do 70 he's or 80 shows a year. It, yeah. He does more shows than blue rodeo does. Yeah. yeah. And, so I just have I just have so much respect for him, and I just think he's so inspiring. And I, I've kind of been, you know, kind of been into lately more rootsier, uh, stripped down music and right. uh, music with little or no overdubs. And um, I think there's only a couple other people on this. I think yeah, there's a bass player and another guitar or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, it's funny. Like I'm sure your bandmates are all uh, pretty stoked that you're finally uh, you're finally hopping on the train. Um, but I'm interested in this idea of, and, and we touched on it a little bit at the beginning of sort of like rebelling against your parents music taste um and you know because i i and, and sort of how your music taste can evolve from that i mean i remember there was a time in my life when i 
refuse to listen to like the Beatles or the band or there, there were so many bands that I just was so closed off to, um, that, you know, almost all of which I would now consider to be some of my favorites. So, I mean, what are, what are some other artists that you might've closed yourself off to, uh, early on in life that you've sort of warmed up to recently? Well, I guess I'd say some of the blues artists I've, I'm into now is sort of something I took for granted when I was younger because I just sort of thought it was cliched. Like my dad right. also listened to a lot of blues and he had some pretty cool blues records, but I didn't really get into him when I was younger because I was just like, well, that music's so predictable and straightforward and, right. you know, it's like oh, the same three chords and, you know, uh, uh, so there's a lot of a lot of stuff like that. What I, what I'm actually finding is that as I get older, my taste is becoming more and more exactly like my dad's, which I think <laughs> is really funny. Uh, my dad's like 92, and I, it's funny. I was talking with him the other day because you know because of the whole coronavirus thing. You know, I'm, right. he's 92, so I'm buying him groceries and stuff, and and we meet at my mother-in-law's and. And I noticed in his car, I'm like putting groceries in his car, and I noticed he's got this Charles Lloyd CD. Right. Uh, right. And I just recently discovered Charles Lloyd, and I'm like, oh, you got a Charles Lloyd CD? He's like, oh, yeah, I love Charles Lloyd. I got lots of Charles Lloyd. I'm like, oh, I'm just getting into Charles Lloyd. <laughs> it's just funny that, like, you know, even unconsciously, I'm I'm kind of parroting his, his musical right. taste right. without realizing it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of things. I you know I used to not like Tom Petty. I love right. Tom Petty now. I used to think Tom Petty was too straight ahead. I, right. I, there was definitely when I was younger things that I thought were too straight ahead or predictable. Mm-hmm. I definitely rejected and shied away from. And now that's more the kind of music I'm drawn to more than anything <laughs> else. Well, I, I think it is so funny how that evolves. I mean, I, I'm still at a point where about fifty percent of the uh, of the music that I'm playing to my old man, uh, you know makes him cringe and kind of shake his head at me uh so uh <laughs> i don't i don't know how far i am to having my taste mirror his exactly but uh with that let's listen to a few tunes by gord lightfoot uh this is his debut record lightfoot on cjru Her wings will grow 
waves have flown and the mist is bare when the birds have flown and the mist is bare
Well, I got my mail late last night A letter from a girl who found the time to write To her lonesome boy somewhere in the night She sent me a railroad ticket too To take me to her loving arms And the big steel rail gonna carry me home To the one I love Well, I've been out here many long days I haven't found a place that I could call my own Not a two-bit bed to lay my body on I've been stood up, I've been shook down I've been dragged into the sand And the big steel rail gonna carry me home To the one I love Every night walking along the streets of this old town Not a friend around to tell my troubles to My good old car, she done broke down Cause I drove it into the ground And the big steel rail gonna carry me home To the one I love Well, I look over yonder across the plain The big drive wheels are pounding along the ground Gonna get on board and I'll be home I ain't had a home-cooked meal The Lord, I need one now And the big steel rail gonna carry me home To the one I love You just heard some tunes by Gordon Lightfoot off of his album Lightfoot. Uh, we are here just wrapping up this hour of having a chat with Glenn Milcham. And uh, to wrap up the hour, we're going to listen to uh, another one of your uh, your past solo projects, uh, another tune from The Swallows. Uh, we're going to listen to The Era Beyond Guilt. Uh, what can you tell us about this one? Um, my, I wrote this song. So this is on the last Swallows record that was released in 2011. And uh, it's just a recording I like. Um, this is I played all the instruments on it, and um, it's it's actually a very difficult song to just sort of play solo. Um, so it kind of really only exists in this recorded form. But I I I, I just like the recording of it, and uh, I don't know if I'm likely to do a recording like this again where I'm just like I when I made this record I just kind of went to a buddy's basement for a couple of years once or twice a week and just you know layered instruments and you know mm-hmm. I wrote songs and and I just sort of you know recorded all the instruments and did it for and it, it ended up being kind of a headache like the first time I did that it was it was in uh, on the first Swallows record it was still in the days of analog tape and 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 wow. you know you were 
what I found with doing that digitally is you could just tinker with it endlessly and I oh, was sure. making myself insane <laughs> yeah. so I was I kind of ended up finishing the record and I thought I'm never doing that again I'm, I'm from now on I'm just doing stuff that is like sort of as unadorned as possible right. but um, when I listen back to this this track or at least you know when I have in the past I thought oh that's pretty good so uh, so here it is yeah alrighty <laughs> well uh, you know thank you so much for, for joining us uh, over video and we, we really really appreciate it and uh you know, hope hope you and the hope you and the family stay healthy. Thanks so much, Alex. I appreciate you having me, and I hope you and everybody out there stays healthy and happy too. Oh, we appreciate it. This is the Swallows with the Era Beyond Guilt on CJRU. Hey man, swimming in cement, been giving your D. De- 